the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit continue to be with us yet for a few moments and forever. Amen. I would like to also bring the greetings from the New York Mills Congregation and the Monaga Congregations, which I serve there in West Central Minnesota. And, of course, I was thrilled to see so many from both Wolf Lake also coming in the area and from Monaga and our own congregation. But those that were unable to come sent their greetings. I'm sure that all the other speaking brethren wish that the song that is preceding their time to stand up would just go on and on so that we wouldn't have to come into this place. It's an awesome place. This morning, I rather I should go back to last evening as I went to bed, knowing that before this day was over, I would have to stand before this beautiful congregation of God's children. And that would have to bring some message from God, and I fell asleep in prayer. But I woke up this morning, it was 20 after 4, and I believe that God was kind of giving me a little vision or a foretaste. When he, I was allowed to go back in history, and I could just remember convention after convention, and service after service uh, at these conventions and many of the services that we experienced at home and at the other places when I was even a young child. It was a beautiful time and it went on for, well, until my wife and I woke up after seven o'clock. For our message this evening, I'm going to just read a couple of verses that the Apostle Paul has written to Timothy, and this, these verses came to me immediately as I was told by one of the central board members who prepares the, or who have prepared with the other members, the speaking list, and where I saw where I was going to be here in the English language. That verse immediately came to me that perhaps we could use this as a closing thought before we leave this assembly and go to our earthly homes. But I believe that the thought that is here speaks of a better homeland. And, of course, it speaks of the condition of heart that we ought to be in so that we might attain onto that better homeland. It's found in the second letter to Timothy and in the fourth chapter and I'm going to only read three verses from that chapter. And I'll read them in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Fourth chapter, verses 6, 7, and 8. Second Timothy chapter 4, 6, 7, and 8 in Jesus' name. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Amen. As I mentioned, that God allowed me to go back in history. And I'd like to share some of those thoughts that I were able to behold this morning. Yes, I have to confess 
that part of my pillow was wet. I had to dry the tears from my eyes with the sheet that was over covering me. There was those beautiful, precious moments that brought me back to my childhood, brought me back to the place where all of you young people and you teenagers that are here, and I'm sure that you will perhaps carry the same memories that I do if you will continue faithful and continue to come to these services, not only to these, but to be also faithful at your home congregations or wherever two or three are gathered together in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. The thought that was truly coming through to me this morning in this vision or dream that the Lord was allowing me to see was how things have changed even here amongst us as living Christians. And I don't have to look at anybody else other than my own heart when I say this. It seems that in these latter days that we become desensitized. We're not as, shall we say, tender-hearted anymore as we were when we first came into living faith. I don't know, is it just this pride that we have or why? Some will say that we don't preach like we used to. But I don't believe the preaching has changed. Because we have the same Lord and we have the same Spirit. But I believe that it is within our hearts, beginning in my own. But I remember even as a little child, how my heart would sometimes cry when I would do something wrong. Perhaps I didn't always have the courage and the strength to say I'm sorry, to apologize, to ask for forgiveness. But yet I thank God that he would pierce the heart and make it feel the gravity of sin. I believe that sin is not as much sinful anymore, if you understand what I'm saying. So I use the word desensitized. We see so much of it. We live amongst it. And after a while you'll begin almost to tolerate it. But I remember back in those days when sin was preached as sin and grace was preached as grace. These two go hand in hand according to the word of God. We cannot overload with just the preaching of sin. Nor can we just overload preaching grace because pretty soon there is no more sin. I believe that with all the other things, as with all other things in the scriptures, there is a balance in all of these. Just as we cannot preach the cross without the uh, resurrection, the word without the spirit. There is a balance in all of these. But as my mind would go back years and years ago, I remember an Easter service in a little tiny church there in Sudan, the Iron Range. 
I remember it was Dr. Sarnabah who was the preacher there. It was Easter morning. It just snowed that night. I remember when we went to that service there, what, it, what stands out is his accent is what stood out because I was just a little tyke at the time. But then there was another thing that stood out. Is during the preaching of that word, the hearts of the hearers were touched. There were those who would even interrupt the service and stand up and begin to weep and cry. And with a stammering voice, they would ask, Is there grace for such a one as I? And of how when they heard that blessed gospel assurance of the forgiveness of sins, that little white handkerchief would come out, and there would be rejoicing in the aisles of the churches. One of the first impressions that I had was to back in that same city, little town of Sudan. We were at a private home, and there the word of God was being spoke, preached, and I remember all of us little boys were sitting up on the steps, but we couldn't see the preacher because the, the, the living room was in the back and the kitchen, and the steps kind of went up along the side of that kitchen. But we were sitting there, and we could hear that preaching. And I could remember here one elder grandma. Pretty soon there she was, rejoicing praising God and thanking God and as a little boy I was wondering what's going on and it didn't take me long to realize that there was so much joy in that heart that had believed and now received a refreshing from heaven above coming a little farther in history I look at my own conversion Klatskanai Convention, I believe it's 1952. How the word of God through the years of preaching. We didn't have a resident pastor. But the folks and the other people in the area would arrange for services quite often. And it was here where we heard the word of God. We heard it at home. A Christian mother and father. I know how, as a young teenager, I was already awakened. I would go out and peek into the world a little bit as a teenager. I didn't get into the grossest of things, but nevertheless, I couldn't resist all of the temptations. And I would sneak off and go to a movie. I didn't go to many dances, but the fact is I did sneak off and go. And I say sneak off because if mom and dad had ever heard it, I knew about it. I know I would hear about it. But yet when I'd come home from these things, I couldn't sleep. Because I knew as the elder preachers that would come around, they made it known what sin was. But they also made it known what the grace of God was. I couldn't sleep. And I knew what I had to do. But no, the strength was not there. This went on for the greater part of my teen years. Till I was 18. And then when that Plattskanite Convention was. 
I remember with all the excitement that we went through. First time out west, first time to see the mountains. And to go out that way was just a big undertaking. One of the friends, a little older than the other three of us that went with him, had worked for a while and was able to buy a car a couple years before, so we had a relatively new car to go with. You know, the trip there was, we were enjoying it, seeing a lot of country that I hadn't seen before. But then when we hit those mountains, things changed. Earlier, I can't remember, was that year or perhaps a year before, from a community just a little ways from our place in Barris where we went to high school, a couple had gone to visit their family out west, and on the way back, they come to those hairpin curves. Five switchbacks on that one hill or mountain, as I recall. Now, whether it was on that mountain or whichever one it was, but I know they missed one of these curves. And they both lost their lives. And when we start climbing that mountain, I look back. I saw the first switchback. I saw the second one saw the third one. My heart was getting pounding harder and harder. I was praying that, God, don't let it happen to us as it happened to that couple. I'm not ready to die. I'm not ready to die. By the grace of God, we made it up that mountain and all the others that we had to go through. It was quite a relief to get to the top at the summit. But I didn't realize that when you go downhill, it's just as scary, if you would say. But God allowed us to get to Klatskanaya. I remember the convention of how we there had such a good time. We met many young people. I remember even going out in the kitchen and peeling potatoes and helping there with a bunch of other young people. But as I listened to those messages, and I remember there was three, there was four pastors that were basically the speakers. There was Andrew Michelson, George Wilson, John Pana, and I can't remember the fourth one at this time, but they had four basic speakers at those services. But every time we listened to that word, the sting and the feelings that I had on that mountain would burn in my heart. I knew in my heart that I could not go back across that mountain again. Not in the condition of heart that I was in. Maybe some would like to say that, well, you weren't such a bad person. You hadn't done so many bad things. But yet, I knew that I was not ready and the testimony wasn't such as Apostle Paul gave to us in the text that I read. The services came to an end, as tonight they will come to an end. I remember that we sat in the front row every service as young boys. There was something in my heart that was reaching out. I wanted something. The service didn't end with the last amen. There was some singing that followed. Hearts were moved already at the end of the service. There were many that walked past me. 
to fly into the arms of one of those pastors that was there. Beggars of grace, needing the forgiveness of sins. I fought that thing and I fought that thing in my heart. Even as I had done so many times at the communion table back home. I remember even one that I went to the communion table with at Esco. He says, why didn't you repent? All of these things were going through my heart and mind. Why didn't you repent? Why don't you get up? But I couldn't. Just like Brother Gordy the other evening when folks asked him, why don't you repent? He says, I can't. But all of a sudden, I was gone. It wasn't me anymore. It was God. He just took me right off of that chair. And I went to see Brother George Wilson. I poured out my heart. And then when I walked back to that chair, I was free. I was then able to say, I am now ready to be offered. We drove home. Those hills weren't nearly as big anymore. Yes, when we got to the top of the mountain, you know, almost in heaven, the scenery was beautiful. But yet, as I have been a child of God for over 40 some years, heaven has the hope of glory in heaven gets more beautiful every day because we realize that every day and every hour and minute and every month that goes by we are one day closer to that homeland and as brother Jim already mentioned what a beautiful place it is all the hopes and dreams that we have in life all of a sudden begin to diminish they are not nearly as bright anymore as they were a few years ago when we had health and ability. Now we begin to turn our eyes to the eastern sky more often, waiting for some little sound that would sound like the trumpet, the sound of the archangel. Haven't heard it yet, but I wait for it. I remember another convention. It was in Sabika. I remember the song that was sung before it was my turn to preach, and I was still a young preacher then. Jesus Christ is passing by. Jesus Christ is passing by. I was moved in heart to speak on that theme. And I would like to reiterate it this evening. How many are there here tonight? I look at you young people in the bleachers. I look at you young couples out there. And I look at you that were children when I first started to come to conventions. And now I see you with, with your families and your baby buggies. But if Jesus Christ... I believe that Jesus Christ is passing by today and during this weekend because we have heard over and over again the invitation, the call of God to come.
come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. God is softly and tenderly calling because Jesus Christ is passing by. Songwriter tells us to lay your sins upon Jesus. He has already carried them to the cross of Calvary as we have heard time and time again. We had heard over and over again how we are justified by faith through the merits of Jesus Christ. There should be no real question as to how and how we are justified before God. But now, when Jesus Christ is passing by, are we going to hear the call and, the, and even as the songwriter said, would that cry come into your heart, pass me not, O gentle Savior? Are we going to let this hour of opportunity to go are we going to allow Jesus to pass by? Are we going to allow it to happen as it did in the days of Noah when the ark was sealed? Too late. Or will it be like the parable of the ten virgins which is shared with us this week? The door was closed. It's going to be too late. We don't know the hour as Brother Jim already brought out. There's a thief in the night. Peace, peace, and then suddenly it's going to happen. These are all the invitations that the Lord is sending to us tonight. Jesus Christ is walking slowly right past us tonight. I believe that Jesus is looking over this crowd as I look over this crowd tonight. Jesus is looking perhaps specifically into some heart out there tonight. Some heart that has not yet been able to unload and unburden itself of the weight that it is carrying. Perhaps you are feeling as I felt. Dear Lord, give me the strength to put away all of my weights and my sins. Don't hold on to that chair as so many of us did and the many testimonies that I have heard over the years. You know, the kingdom of God is here with you, amongst you. I still see most of the pastors that were at the minister's meeting here tonight. They are there for you to go to speak and to unload your heart. They are like Jesus, waiting with open arms. Waiting for you to come and to seek for God's grace and forgiveness. I often think of how the Lord waits and wants to take you into his arms. It is like myself. I love my wife very dearly. I can't wait to get home. Yeah, I'm an old man. But I still hug her as much as I did when I got married. To feel the warmth of her love and the assurance that she loves me. 
I might also ask the rest of you who are married and living, I hope, happily. Do you look with anticipation to be able to embrace the one that God has given you to love? Maybe there's something there that is holding you back. Maybe there's something that needs to be taken care of. Maybe what we need to do is to reach our hand over and touch each other. Maybe we have to come into each other's arms and tell each other what's been bothering. And then with a very loving heart, ask, can you forgive me? Do you know the message that this conveys, first of all, between the two hearts? But the message that it conveys to those young people there upon the side, your children. When they can see mom and dad there showing their true love one to another by forgiving one another. And then they want to come to you too. Mothers are praying, fathers are praying. Son, daughter, where are you? They're waiting with open arms for you to come. Just like the father of the prodigal son. His heart was broken, very broken, when he saw his son walk across the field to leave. But every day he looked down that field, he looked this way and that way. Do I see a little speck of a human being coming my way? And finally one day, the prodigal son came home. You all know the story, he had tried it out there in the world. He had wasted everything. He had even tried other religion, other teachings. But he knew that there was only one place, and that was in the father's house, in the embrace of his own father, that that is where there is forgiveness. We see when finally one day, a father who never gave up praying, saw a little figure coming across, slowly trudging across the field with his head hung low, Truly, he had already confessed his sins out there in the faraway land. But there was no forgiveness there. He had to come to father. He had to come to mother. He had to come where the keys of the kingdom are. And when that father recognized that hump-shouldered young lad coming, whose eyes I'm sure were so filled with tears of sorrow, but I'm sure that those tears turned to joy when he saw his father running across the field to meet him, Yes, that's how your mom and your dad are waiting for you tonight. Waiting for that lost one to come home. Waiting for you to come. That you can be called their son and daughter again. No, they have not disowned you. They have loved you and prayed for you. And they're praying for you now. I know they are. There's nothing that hurts a mom and a dad more. To know that their children are out there waiting every night for them to come home. Knowing that when they left the house, they were not going to go to a Christian fellowship. But they were going to another fellowship. 
That was with the world. So moms and dads cry. Moms and dads lay awake at night. Jesus Christ is passing by. Don't let him get out of the door. Don't you walk out of the door either. Until Jesus Christ has entered in. Into your heart. Jesus says. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. He has already carried your many faults and failures to the cross of Calvary. He has already suffered and died for them. He has already visited hell in your place and my place. Let's not crucify him over and over again. Don't let Jesus Christ pass by tonight. Because if we allow Jesus Christ to pass by, we cannot say as Apostle Paul has said in our text tonight. He says, I am now ready to be offered for the time of my departure is at hand. That is a beautiful testimony of one who once persecuted the very Christ. But when Christ was able to enter into his heart through faith, he was filled with the Holy Spirit and he began to preach and to teach. He could not contain that. He took the message or the, or the direction that Jesus gave, as Brother Jim mentioned also, that you are my witnesses, going to all nations preaching repentance and remission of sin. Yes, Paul took his commission seriously. He trudged across that whole southern European continent and that western, the eastern shores of the Mediterranean Sea, establishing Christians, establishing congregations. And now his road had come to a conclusion. He knew that there was not many footsteps left to take. But yet he did not fear that moment. He knew in his heart that it were better for him that he could go. Yet he realized that there was some work for him to do. But he said, I'm ready to be offered. And the only way that any one of us can say that I'm ready to be offered, if our sins have been removed from us and that we are walking hand in hand with Jesus. We haven't allowed Jesus to pass by and to go out of that exit there. We have called out to him with a believing heart because you can't even repent without a believing heart and God gives you that faith. God gives you that strength. God lifts you off of that chair to go see that one that can help you. Come to mom and dad. Come to some of the other Christians that are here. The whole, whole building is full of them. The one next to you. But open your heart so that Jesus Christ can come. It's difficult for flesh to say, I'm a sinner. It's difficult for flesh to think that now I have to follow Jesus. And I can't do the things that I'm so accustomed to doing. I had that same very, very same thought in my mind. I had a terrible habit. And I thought, oh, can I repent because I'm going to keep on doing that habit. I had a very foul tongue. But the day that God granted me that grace, it was as if God had cut the tip of my tongue off that carried all those nasty words. And by His grace, He allowed 
me to just leave them behind from day one. It was not a long drawn out process. God took them away. Maybe that is what's holding somebody back today. Maybe we have a pet sin that we can't overcome. My counsel to you as to all, don't try alone. You'll never win. You'll never overcome. Go to Jesus. The one that loves your soul and wants to forgive you and has promised that he will then help you. He will become your constant companion. He will walk with you hand in hand. We've heard the exhortation and I use it so many times myself. He'll never forsake you and leave you. I will be with you unto the end of the world. I have fought the good fight. I have finished my course. And I have kept the faith. We know that God has never promised a child of God a paved pathway. Jesus described that road being very narrow and small. There's only one doorway to enter into that, and that is through Jesus. We know that even though we are on the pathway, following the very footsteps of the lone Galilean, the devil even wants to sneak in on that road. He comes in sometimes with the glitter of the world. Sometimes he comes with false teachings. His greatest ambition is to have you fall off of that road. But let's remember the promises that we have heard over and over again from the scriptures this, this weekend and this, these services. That the Lord is not going to forsake you. He will be with you. He will lead you and direct your pathway to the end of that road which leads to life, life eternal. We know there's the other road. Broad is that way. And how does he describe the end of that way? It's a horrible pit. Let's look for one moment at that pit. I know some people don't like to hear about what hell is like. But my Lord speaks about it so often. And the Lord's servants also speak about it in the scriptures. It is a place of torments that has been prepared for the devil and his angels. It is a place where all those who have received the mark of the beast that will enter in. Now you're going to ask about the mark of the beast. I'm not so concerned about that as I'm so concerned right now today that as long as the devil is your father, you have the mark of the beast. It has the same effect. You're still going to go to that place of torments. It's not just for a little time and then be excused with clemency. You'll spend the rest of eternity there. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. Go into that place of torments forever and ever. That is the only welcome that the unrepentant will ever hear. But those who are like Paul now are ready to be offered who have not allowed Jesus Christ to pass by but have come running unto Jesus who wants to take you into your arms and embrace you tonight. That same warm hug that we talked about there that 
husbands and wives share and how I watch some of these mothers tenderly carrying their little children. That wife's warm embrace, the Lord wants to take you into his lap and just carry you through these perilous times. And that is why he says, I have fought the good fight. He has been able to keep faith and a good conscience. Yes, my heart rejoiced this morning. And it was a privilege to be here to serve amongst the other elders of the church to serve communion to so many. My heart rejoiced to see that there are many who are willing to keep a faith and a good conscience. Where they had to put away the weights and sins and hindrances that were there. And hear that blessed gospel assurance. Not only myself, but I'm sure all the others that shared with me. We rejoiced in heart each time we were able to reach out and to assure a penitent sinner those hindrances, those spots and blemishes are forgiven in the name and blood of Jesus. There is more joy in heaven over one penitent sinner than over all the others who are full of their own righteousness. That is how Paul kept faith and a good conscience. He put away the hindrances that came and he had fought the good fight of faith. Now he had finished his course. In the Old Testament when he speaks of an elder that was reaching the end of his course, it says his eyes became dim. And I'm sure that Apostle Paul's eyes were in a sense becoming dim too. The many persecutions, the months and the years that he had spent in the dungeons and the jails, the many slashings that he had received, they were taking its toll. But yet he was able to say, I have fought the good fight of faith. I am ready to be offered. I have finished my course and I have kept the faith. Oh, that this would be the testimony of everyone that is here tonight. That I have kept the faith. I want to go back to Sabika for a moment. When the service was over, came down from the pulpit. I was met by a very dear friend of ours. She threw her arms about me. You were talking to me tonight. You were talking to my heart. I'm not going to let Jesus pass by tonight. And she poured out her heart. Again, with great joy, I could bless her with the forgiveness of sins. Are we going to let Jesus pass by tonight? I pray that no one would allow Jesus to get by tonight. The Apostle Paul looked beyond this life. And that's what we're all looking at as children of God. We're looking onto a city whose builder and maker is God. Not a, just a temporal or a timely planet earth and the homes and the churches that we have. God, Paul was looking at something more enduring. 
And that is why we encourage everyone to also seek that which is more enduring. He tells us, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Even though his eyes were getting dim, he could see something beautiful. I believe that Paul, by faith, even as though he had not personally seen Jesus, by faith he was able to behold him. And by faith he was also able to behold that which John saw. As the songwriter said, John saw that beautiful white city coming down. What a contrast. A white city so shiny, so bright, so beautiful, so filled with songs of praise and thanksgiving. A city where Abraham Isaac are already. A city where that beggar Lazarus is with Abraham. A city of perfect righteousness, peace and joy. A city whose builder and maker is God. A city eternal, no end. Just cast your eyes across the gulf and see where the rich man is. I don't believe the decision should be too hard. All we need to do is swallow our pride. All we need to do is tell the devil, get these Satan hands behind me. I want to go to that city that is coming down, that John saw. He described it so beautifully there in the 21st, 21st chapter of the book of Revelation. Who would ever want to neglect or to deny or to reject a homeland so perfect? Quotes the psalmist, the third and fourth chapters of the book of Hebrew. Harden not your hearts. Brother Carl Niemitalo concluded his message from the fourth chapter of Hebrews where he gave us that beautiful assurance where it states that our Lord was tempted and tried as we are, yet without sin. And the invitation is, come therefore boldly unto the throne of grace to find help in the time of need. Remember, Jesus Christ is passing by. The throne of grace is here. The altar of mercy and grace is here. Jesus Christ is pleading. Christ is talking to us tonight. He doesn't want to have to leave you behind. He wants to take you with him. When he takes us with him, there is a crown of righteousness waiting. Yes, he will be ident we will be identified because we will have our names written even as the book of Revelation reveals. Our robes will be made white in the blood of the Lamb when that will, be, will have been whited in the blood of the Lamb. And we will be standing there with all of those who are arrayed in white. They sang a song of victory when they crossed the Red Sea. 
But that is just a little tiny little song of thanksgiving compared to that which Jesus Christ wants us to bring to. He wants to give to everyone the crown of righteousness. He will give to you that day and all them also that love his appearing. All of this because we have a loving God. A God who even heard his son crying, if it were possible, take this bitter cup from me, your sins and mine. But yet God who loved us so much closed his eyes. Yes, a few hours later, his own son was now draped between the heavens and the earth, accursed. Yes, his own son was there, dying that horrible death of the most wicked sinner of all, because he had all of our sins upon himself. Yes, he heard his son cry, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But the Lord would not hear his own son cry. He loved us more. He was willing to sacrifice. He was going to give everything so that you and I could receive the crown of righteousness and the crown of life. His love still burns in his heart today. Just like that when Jesus cried, Why have you forsaken me? Then he cried, It is finished. And Isaiah the prophet, the 53rd chapter, tells us how God reacted. He says he was satisfied. The world had been redeemed. But now he sent his witnesses out to tell us that Jesus Christ is passing by. But he also tells us he is coming again. If he does pass by, he is coming again. And that's what we are waiting for. That Christ can come now. Those of us who availed ourselves to that grace and mercy and love of God in Christ Jesus when he was here. We didn't allow him to pass by. He's going to come to get us. He's going to gather us all into his own arms. He's going to welcome us all home. He's going to tell us, Come blessed of the Father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. If we don't have the testimony that Paul gave us here, you'll never hear those words. But we raise our voices of praise and thanksgiving to God that so many have. And I thank God tonight that he has even chosen one such as I. And has granted me that grace that even this day I could have I could hear with all those other pastors there when I was blessed by the brother. Assured that every one of my spots and blemishes are washed away. That's the fight that we have to fight. But there is that assurance that comes from the heart of a loving God. Believe your sins forgiven in his name and blood. Open your heart. The Bible says tomorrow may be too late. The songwriter even writes of this. Almost persuaded. But too late. Don't let it happen. Cry out. I'm the one that God is speaking to tonight. 
God will hear your voice. He will fill you with joy. He will fill you with his love. And then he will take you in his arms and carry you. Till he places the crown of righteousness upon your head. May that be the destination of every one of us. May God add his blessing to his word tonight. Amen. As these services draw to a close, we here in Ironwood would ask that each of you would take this word with you as you go and as the brother has spoken that we want you to take that love that has been spoken of back to your congregations and those greetings of God's peace from us from our hearts bring them back and tell them of this love that was spoken of and we want to encourage all to remember that we have heard this evening we have a friend so precious that he wants to come and abide with us. That if he is passing by, let us heed the call. If the Spirit is working within, don't harden your hearts. For Jesus may not come anymore, but he may come with that trump that sounds so bright in the glorious morning of eternity. So let us be prepared to take him this night, that the love could show and shine abroad in our hearts, that he is that friend so precious, that he is a friend, as I was thinking this evening, that I could share a little bit with each of you. Thought came to my mind that when we were headed to the conventions out east, our neighbor passed away. And we thought it was such a dreadful thing. The lady was 61 years old. And it pondered it in my heart that we were even unable to go to the funeral. We were unable to give any gifts or money. We were able to give a card and gifts. But the thought came to me that Jesus Christ, that friend, he never quits. That we can go onto the people and we can teach and touch their hearts. But Jesus, when we go, we don't have to go giving that I have done I have given a card, or I have given money, or I even went maybe to that funeral home, the thought came to me, but that we can be that example of Christ, that he never quits giving, and we could love that family and nurture them in Christ. And as we have gathered in these services, let us rejoice, and we can take Christ with us, and we can rejoice along the journey, because he has promised to meet us as we travel. So let us, I have a few local announcements that on Wednesday night is Bible study at 7 p.m. And uh, next Sunday, the Sunday worship is at 10 o'clock. And we ask that the, that the members of the congregation at Ironwood would, and the youth, young ones, would help with the cleanup of the chairs after the service. And we will close these conventions with song found on page 73, O Savior, bless us ere we go.
and freshmen to follow. Thank you.
We have a request to sing song found on page 54, I Lay My Sins on Jesus. And before we sing this song, let us close these services in prayer and thanksgiving to God. Dear Eternal and Almighty, Gracious Heavenly Father, we are thankful for we come before you in prayer. Thankful that you have called us into thy kingdom. You have called us onto these services here in Ironwood. And we thank you for putting that burden upon each of us here in this congregation of Ironwood. That we were able to, with love and with joy in our heart, to go forth and perform what you have set before us. These duties that we look upon as were heavy before us. Our knees were shaking as we approached the day of these services. But with joy we can say, You have lift, turned our sorrows then into joy. Our hearts have been rejoicing in the fellowship one with another. That we know that we have a hope which is in heaven. And we can rejoice because our names then are written by that blood of Jesus in that Lamb's book of life. And we have a hope then that awaits us on eternity's shore. And we thank you, dear Father, for performing this great work and this wonder, this mystery unto all of the world. They do not understand because it has not been opened unto them. But we thank you, Father, for opening these mysteries unto us, these mysteries of thy word, that we can grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And in him, we, he increases and we become to decrease. We trust in you, dear Lord. You have strengthened us upon this journey of faith. Continue in the days to come to give us strength and encourage us that we know and give us that strength that we know when a brother comes unto us even and asks, would you pray for me? We don't even have the strength then to pray. We will at times we come and ask, yes, I'll pray for you. But from the flesh, we forget so often. But put that burden upon our heart that we would cry unto you, that we would pray one for another. For the enemy of the soul is strong and it is raging and he is rampant and he wants to call us away from a believing heart in Jesus Christ. The power that we have heard through these services, the power unto salvation. Let us all know in our heart that you are working and it is your work alone, dear Father. We thank you for these great mysteries that have been revealed down through the ages. And we come now, Lord Jesus. Bless us and keep us. Make thy face to shine upon us and be gracious unto us. 
Lift up thy countenance upon us and give us thy eternal peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.